0: You know, before it was massively gerrymandered after the last census, federal politics in the Columbus area used to be relatively competitive. But now, with the 12th and the 15th congressional districts, both surrounding Columbus, insidiously drawn to make it difficult for Democrats to win, we're left with the 3rd congressional district as the only district in central Ohio where more centrist Democrats and progressives can really debate differences in how they think about issues such as care. This is precisely what today's guest, the lawyer and social justice activist Morgan Harper, is trying to do in her primary challenge to four-term Congresswoman Joyce Beatty. This is Prognosis Ohio, WCBE's health policy and politics report. I'm your host, Dan Skinner. Each week, we bring you a news roundup of healthcare developments in our state. Each week as well, we share with you an interview with someone in Ohio who's either making a difference in or has a unique perspective on health-related matters. Before turning to our conversation with Morgan, though, it's time for our news roundup. First, we've got two updates about abortion here in Ohio. The state of politics being where it is, many Ohioans have unfortunately grown accustomed to their legislators ignoring scientific and medical evidence. Last week, the Ohio Senate Health, Human Services, and Medicaid Committee held a hearing on a bill that would force doctors to tell women seeking abortions that it's possible to reverse so-called medication abortions, or abortions carried out by taking two pills before someone is 10 weeks pregnant. Supporters of this bill claim that women who take two high doses of hormones before taking the second pill, which is taken 24 hours after the first, can quote-unquote reverse the effects of the first pill. To be clear, there's no evidence that this is either possible or safe. Supporters of the bill tend to cite one doctor whose claims the American Medical Association and the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology have frequently disputed. One would hope that the resounding opposition of the medical community would be enough to stop this bill, but similar legislation has been passed in eight states. These bills have been blocked mostly in the courts, but advocates for health in Ohio should be aware of debates like these since they're sure to continue. Next, listeners should be aware of the sobering news that Toledo is now the largest city in the United States without a surgical abortion provider. Capital Care Network surrendered its license to perform abortions, though it's expected to apply for a new license in the coming months. The facility is still open and able to provide medication abortions. But this, along with the news that two Planned Parenthood centers in the Cincinnati area will be closing their doors, is a blow to reproductive freedom activists and healthcare providers here in Ohio. Third, last Tuesday, the Ohio Senate debated a number of gun safety measures. The Democrat Cecil Thomas and the Republican Peggy Lanner introduced legislation that would raise the minimum age for purchasing a gun to 21 and implement a background check requirement for those wishing to purchase a gun. Thomas also introduced independent legislation that would ban bump stocks and other devices that increase the firing rate of a gun, as well as regulate the purchasing of guns at gun shows. Additionally, Leonard introduced a piece of legislation with Democrat Sandra Williams that would create a so-called red flag law that would allow family members, household members, and law enforcement officers to obtain a court order that temporarily restricts a person's access to firearms if that person poses a danger to themselves or others. As these debates play out, it's important to remember that Governor DeWine has already voiced his support for red flag legislation, as well as state-mandated background checks. He's also signaled that he may be open to other proposals as well. It should be noted that this hearing and the shift in gun politics was a direct result of pressure on state lawmakers that followed the mass shooting in Dayton on August 4th, killing nine people. Finally, I want to make sure that listeners know that the next Democratic debate will be held here in central Ohio, in Westerville at Ottermine University, on October 15th and 16th. This is going to be a good chance for Ohio to garner a bit of national attention within this race. Healthcare issues have been prominent in the race so far, and I'm sure that things will be no different in Westerville. We're reaching out to the candidates to see if we can get them to talk with us. I'm not holding my breath or anything, but candidates, if you're listening, we'd love to hear how your healthcare vision stands to impact Ohioans. Okay, that's it for today's news roundup. Time now to turn to today's guest. Morgan Harper is a Columbus native, the adopted daughter of a Trinidadian immigrant who has long been active in social justice initiatives here in Central Ohio. Harper talks often about her upbringing, including economic challenges, and specifically expresses gratitude for the role that her mother and various social supports played in helping her become a successful lawyer and who she is today. Harper earned her BA from Tufts University, MA from Princeton, and her judicial degree from Stanford. After her schooling, Harper spent three years at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, protecting consumers against predatory lenders, an issue that's been in the news quite a bit in Ohio in recent months. Most recently, Harper worked at the local initiative Support Corporation, which invests in communities that have been systematically under-resourced. As I mentioned, Harper's now devoting her time to running for the Democratic nomination for the 3rd Congressional District. I spoke with Harper about her views on health care, equity, what she thinks distinguishes her from her opponent. We talked at her campaign headquarters in downtown Columbus. Thanks, Morgan, for joining me on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Great to be here
0: you're in the process right now in the kind of beginning stages of what's going to be a very long campaign. Yeah. Um, and you're introducing yourself to to folks. Can you just tell me a little bit about yourself, how you came to decide to do this? Um, yeah. And, um, you know, a little bit about who you are.
1: Yeah. So I was born here in Columbus at the Ohio State University Hospital I was given up for adoption. I lived in a foster home for the first nine months of my life. And then I was adopted and raised on the east side of Columbus, uh, near James Road, actually, uh, by my mom, who immigrated to Ohio from Trinidad and was a art teacher at first in the Columbus public school system. And, and you know, we experienced a lot of early financial stress in in my life and you know though that was difficult it also opened up an opportunity for me to get financial aid to go to Columbus Academy in Gahanna and really set me on the course of my life which is you know that was an awakening for me at a very early age to the inequity that is at work in our society where you know some people have the resources and they get the know-how to know how to get ahead and everyone else has to kind of figure it out and you know really I, I learned there that I wanted to devote myself to that so at first it started as volunteerism um, later you know i learned there was a thing called public policy and i've just been pursuing professional experiences since then to try to get at this problem
0: great yeah one of the things that i i was impressed um by looking at your bio on your campaign website is not only do you have this bio and the story that has seemed to have given you a sense of empathy and justice and all of that, but you also have an appreciation for what the support you got along the way enabled you to do. And that's like right now in our society, we have this um, tendency um, here in Ohio and elsewhere to trash government and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. But you seem to just really have lived the life that recognizes what a difference that can make when you are in need of some support.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I take my story as an example of certainly, you know, hard work. I have put in the work to try to get ahead, but really I've had a tremendous amount of luck and and real gratitude to the people and institutions of Central Ohio that came through for me and my family at our most vulnerable moments. And, you know, I, I do come from a place with this race of of true love and and gratitude and also empathy for those who also needs supports and that my story should be every child's story in the sense that whatever life you decide to live, you should have the resources that create a stable life for you to pursue that, right? And we know what those things are needed for a stable life. And I want to do through policy and government uh, to accomplish that, to make sure everybody can have their basic needs met.
0: So you are taking on a four-term congresswoman Joyce Beatty here in yes. the 3rd Congressional District in Ohio. That is no small feat, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of power there. There's a lot of um, uh, support that she's built up over those years. She's been in office since 2012. And, you know, in the healthcare space specifically. So she's made her name um, by, you know, being a defender of the Affordable Care Act, talking about building on it. I guess, how, can you just lay out how your vision for health care differs from Congresswoman Joyce Beatty?
1: Well, I think you know, in the race and, and specifically on the issue of health care, I'm starting from a place of health care is a right. No one in this country should be scrambling to get insulin, to treat diabetes. No one should be rationing drugs that they have that they need to stay healthy after surgeries. These are the stories that I'm hearing as I travel around the district, and it's not acceptable. So I'm starting from that premise of healthcare is a human right, and I'm supporting Medicare for All in order to accomplish that everyone in the third district, really in this country, should have access to healthcare.
0: Do you you think that healthcare can be a right or that you can take the health care as a right approach and, and be within the Affordable Care Act frame? Or does, once you acknowledge, and I actually don't know if, if Congresswoman Beatty talks about healthcare care as a right, maybe you can tell me if you do, but can you do that in, with, does it lead naturally to Medicare for all or are there a bunch of different approaches?
1: The approach I'm pursuing is Medicare for All, because I believe that's how you get to full coverage. We've seen, you know, even with the Affordable Care Act, which did get us part of the way there, we have people that don't have health insurance, right? And in the... Millions, millions. Millions, millions across the country... Uh, thousands in Franklin County and in the third district. And that is not okay, because that has detrimental effects on people's lives. We know that medical debt can drive people into bankruptcy, not to mention even the stress of having uh, impending health issues or having a chronic illness. You know, and I still, I mean, I in this race too, I'm coming from a very personal place. I, I remember what it felt like to have, uh, you know, a dental emergency, right, when I was younger, and the stress that I could see in my mom's face and having to have this additional bill that's coming to the house. And this is a person that's a teacher that has full health benefits, that should be okay, quote unquote, you know, in our system. And we know that the insurance system is not working for us.
0: It's one of the things we see, you know, like, I work with a lot of physicians, and physicians will also talk about how impossible the healthcare system is to navigate. Having fancy degrees doesn't seem to even help with the complexity of it.
1: No, I mean, I've taken breaks from jobs. And you know, I'm not out of the ordinary here, while, while working to try to protect people in, uh, when I was working in the federal government at the CFEB, I had to take breaks to negotiate with my insurance company about whether or not they would cover uh, expenses that I had incurred. It's like, what is this? And I, I'm a lawyer, right? Like, yeah, I'm pretty good yeah, at understanding yeah. rules and following them, and I'm having to read fine print and find the right phone number and who to call instead of working to protect consumers, right? I mean, yeah. this is, this makes no sense.
0: So you've put your flag firmly on the uh, in, in the ground for Medicare for All. Yeah. Right? And right now we're in the middle of a presidential debate and there's a lot of conversation around uh, Medicare for All. Can you talk a little bit about where you come at Medicare for All? So there are a bunch of different positions out there mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. There's a, there are questions about funding it. There's anxiety about, you know, unions and losing employer health care. And mm-hmm. you know Pete Buttigieg is in one place and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are in a different place. Yeah. Where do you are, are do you align yourself with one of those particular views? Do you have your own? Is there a kind of Harper per, uh, perspective <laughs> that's unique? The Harper or, plan? Or, or you know, yeah. how, how do you think about the subtleties of that?
1: Well, you know, one principle that I'm really advancing here is we need to get out of the business of corporations having so much control over our lives. This is a country that is full of people that are working very hard to get by, and the least that we can do with the, with our money, and that is the federal government money, is invest in us and our communities to make sure that we're healthy. So with that, yeah, I think you know we, we have right now going on the GM worker strike, and yeah. that healthcare becomes a negotiation tactic What is this, right? Mm -hmm. This is not acceptable, that if you're willing to exercise your right as an employee, now suddenly your health care can be taken away from you. And this is a system that wasn't developed. The health care system that we have with so much employer-sponsored insurance wasn't developed to make sure that we're all okay. It's a bit of a fluke of history, right? And so we can correct this. We need to correct it now. We should not have people in this country that are dying because they can't access health services.
0: We also know that if you take health care off the table... Then unions, especially, what do they negotiate on? Wages. You know, um, if you remove healthcare, and you're going to see wages go up, which is something that we know needs to happen as well.
1: Yeah, especially in a, in a state here where we have a minimum wage of under $9 an hour. And yeah, you know, there's some companies that are moving and we are seeing movement at the federal level to get it to $15 an hour. But housing, for example, another pretty important need that can impact your health if you don't have it. Absolutely. Well, that costs $17 an hour to get a two-bedroom apartment here in Franklin County, and the numbers don't add up. Yeah. So that's where, you know, we I, it was very important to me to include Medicare for All in the platform. I do believe very strongly that health care is a right, and I won't stand for a country where people are dying because they can't get access to health care while companies are making a lot of money off of our problems.
0: I know that your campaign, you know, you're still in the early stages in this long. I mean, all American elections now are these ridiculously long things. Um, so I know you're going to be talking with voters a lot. Mm-hmm. Are you already hearing, though, that... Um, your message in terms of how it's going to be received? I mean, do you get a sense that this Medicare for All commitment does distinguish you with Congresswoman Beatty to some degree? And is, are people excited about it? Do you have to explain it a lot to people? Do they come to you with anxieties that they're hearing from things like these debates mm-hmm. and, and all that?
1: Well, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the anxieties sometimes come from the fear mongering that can happen when you start to talk about putting people back in control of our government, right? And so you know, the idea that, well, how are we gonna pay for it? Or it's an irresponsible use of money. And it's like, no, as the government and the federal government has the resources to invest in what it believes in, we have seen in the past that it does that through things like a GI Bill, for example. This is possible, this can happen, and we shouldn't be duping people into believing otherwise or somehow their problems are their fault. It's, no, this is a system that's been created to make sure that not everyone's needs are met. Um, and, and you know, once I explain that to people, and we have started already canvassing and getting out into different communities within the third district, people are grateful to hear about it because yeah. what I'm finding and what was one of my beliefs going into this campaign is let's move beyond the buzzwords. Let's start talking to people about the real issues and the real issues that real people who are living here that are working hard recognize that they should have access to quality healthcare. And that's a problem when they don't. And they're seeing the after effects of the system that we currently have ravage their communities and their families. So uh, it's very clear to people who are not necessarily, you know, accepting money or profiting off of this system, when you start talking about healthcare, human right, damn right, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I met recently a woman when we were canvassing, and she was saying that she couldn't believe, you know, her mother, who had worked her entire life, now retired, had been a teacher, actually, so we connected over that, that her mother had also been in the education system, and she was rationing medicine. It's, and, and it was offensive because, yeah. you know, your are a kid, you're, you see your parent who's worked hard their entire life and now should be able to relax. And instead we see them stressing out about prescription drug costs. Yeah. This isn't acceptable. Yeah. And people understand that fairness
0: point. So that's healthcare access we, that we were just talking about. Yeah. And and that's, as we know, um, we always, when we're working with medical students, we have to break them the news that, Direct clinical care and access to the medical system is generally regarded about, you know, maybe a fifth of total health outcomes. Mm -hmm. The social determinants of health are much more powerful. And you mentioned housing before. That's something we've talked about on this show Mm -hmm. and something that's really important to us here. Um, What are some of the other health issues you see in the third congressional Mm -hmm. district that are important to you Mm -hmm. um, that you want to make part of your campaign, aside mm-hmm. from the kind of insurance focus access question.
1: Yeah, you know, we're seeing—I I do believe in the social determinants of health, and we're seeing a lot of these issues come up as we talk to people throughout the 3rd District. And, and I think, you know, what's most important to me with the race, and particularly when we start talking about those social determinants of health, the concepts are not complicated. That's why people were talking to real people when we go out on Canvas get it. It's because we know what we need to be OK. Yeah. We need housing. We need to be making enough money to live. We need a clean environment. People get that. But now it's time to just implement it, right?
0: So it seems like you're, you're looking at the bigger picture of all the different things that drive health outcomes and trying to you know, develop what I guess we'd call more of a kind of a social justice approach to thinking about things that are often off the radar screen, things we, I've talked about on this show a lot that you know we're increasingly realizing are about health but typically weren't considered to be even health related before things like climate change just start to realize this is actually we're never going to be a healthy society Unless we reverse these these trends.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you know, and I, I did get that feedback at the beginning of like, whoa, you're talking about everything. It's like, yeah, I am talking about everything because that's how we build stable communities, right? And environments where people can pursue the lives that they want to live, and that it's fair and just that everyone gets that chance. So I am talking about a lot of things that maybe aren't necessarily your first thought with being health related, but I do believe are really important. You know, I also was talking about investments in infrastructure, public transportation. So that that people won't be as dependent on cars and we won't see so much of the emissions into uh, into our environment. That's another pretty important priority for me. And you know, things like universal childcare. I mean, starting to um, really invest in our young people and treat that as an educational experience that is going to be consistent, standardized, and that everyone will have access to early qual- quality childcare, also important. So yeah, it's a very comprehensive platform. <laughs>
0: At the end of the day, I mean, what's your strategy? Like, what do you think it is that will be able to take some of those folks who know Joyce Beatty and know that she supports the Affordable Care Act, that she's been generally supportive of the Democratic platform for a long time, and to say, that's all good, but there's a bigger story here. What, 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 what's your messaging going to look like? How do you get people to look at the Medicare for all piece? And because, you know, at the end of the day, it's pretty clear that there is a little bit of a jump for a lot of people to say, okay, we can go big.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I I would say how I got to the point most recently of running for this race and deciding to take on this, (laughs) admittedly a big challenge of taking on an incumbent, really was coming from a place of having worked in policy and especially at the federal level and looking around. And for someone, myself, who's been focused on issues of inequality and really coming from that early experience here in the third district and feeling like it's not fair, the way that things are structured, being honest that what we've been doing isn't working. And I say nothing more than look at the state of our communities. Look at the fact that people aren't earning enough money to get stable housing. Look at the increasing homelessness problem. Look at the fact that we don't have people that are getting access to health care.
0: But do you think those issues are not important to the Congresswoman or that she's not addressing it with enough of a sharp focus?
1: Well, I think we have a movement happening right now nationally, right? And there is momentum at the national level in federal government, in Congress, to really start to... Get the policy change that's necessary, I believe, to really get at those issues and build a country that works for all of us, an economy that works for all of us. And we need to be moving quickly because these movements don't always happen very often, and we have to be moving with the urgency really of those that are experiencing these problems. And I'm bringing that urgency to this because I've been moving with that urgency my entire life, and now I believe that federal policy is what's necessary. And I had I had to step up and present this platform, and I do believe, like I've been finding and talking to people in the third district that people here are ready for it they're ready for the bold vision they're sick of the politics that's driven by money this is a grassroots campaign no corporate PAC money I started this on my own we have received now national endorsements but we're bringing real people into this that we're meeting connecting with that stop by our headquarters that are also ready for a new style of politics that is grassroots and community-based and bringing us all together
0: well, Morgan, thanks so much for talking with us. I'm, I wish you luck. And Thank I hope you that so we'll much. stay in touch and keep the conversation going about these policy issues.
1: For sure, I'd love that. Thanks.
0: Thanks, thanks to Morgan Harper for taking time to talk with us at her campaign headquarters. You can learn more about our campaign by visiting morganharper.org. I also want to note that we will be reaching out to Congresswoman Beatty as well. I really hope that she'll be willing to come on the show and talk about her plans for improving health care in the U.S. Prognosis Ohio is hosted by me, Dan Skinner, and produced by Dan Skinner and Mark Franz. You can subscribe to Prognosis Ohio through WCBE's webpage, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode. You can subscribe as well on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and really wherever you get your podcasts. We would love it if you'd leave a positive review so we can continue to grow the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at @PrognosisOhio and email us your suggestions and feedback at prognosisohio at gmail.com. Finally, as we continue to grow the show, adding more listeners with every episode and making it a solid foundation for ongoing conversations about important issues in health and healthcare right here in Ohio, we're looking for some financial support. If you're interested in underwriting the podcast, please, as the cool kids say, hit us up. OK, till next time. Thanks.